Support for this podcast comes from AppCast, a leading provider of recruitment advertising technology and services. AppCast helps more than 1,500 companies find more qualified candidates using advanced programmatic technology and data-driven analytics. With AppCast, you'll effortlessly attract the right talent to your open jobs, helping you save time and money. Find out more about AppCast at appcast.io. That's appcast.io. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 384 of the Recruiting Future podcast. There's lots of talk about diversity, equity and inclusion in talent acquisition. But when you dig below the surface, the amount of practical action happening doesn't live up to the promises made. A few weeks ago, longtime friend of the podcast, Baz van der Hattred, introduced me to one of the most inspiring recruiters I've spoken to in a very long time. Ojen van der Hamel helps employers recruit talent from communities that are historically underrepresented in the job market. In the last few years, he's been doing some pioneering work helping to connect refugees with employment opportunities and in so doing, opening employers' eyes to an incredible pool of talent. Hi Ojen and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt, for the invitation. It's wonderful to be here and also I want to say Thanks to Bas van der Hatert, who dropped my name to you. Absolutely. He is a great source of fantastic guests, and it is an absolute delight to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself um, for everybody and tell us what you do? Yeah. Um, my name is Eugène van den Hemel. I'm from the Netherlands, and I help organizations find people to do extraordinary things. Um, almost 12 years ago, I quit my career in the job placement business. Uh, there I had roles in sales, consultancy, recruitment, and management. But more and more, I had the feeling um, I was talking every day about the color of the lease car and the quantity and quality of the incentives we offered to the people instead of making really matches that matters. So I quit my job started as an independent uh, freelancer and I decided to want to help organizations find talent among communities which are, uh, let's say, um, historically uh, underrepresented on the job market. Because by helping these companies filling the job vacancies with these talented people, I would at the same time offer new perspectives to people from communities like neurodivergent, 40 plus, returning citizens, etc. And well, and 2015, we all know that there was a peak of refugees from Syria, Afghanistan, Eritrea. I was asked to think about ways to help these people to enter the job market, and a new world opened for me. I met the first refugees. I think it was November 2015. I had great conversations with them. And then there was a question in my head uh, who said, hey, how is it possible that these people with their skills, their 
dreams, their ambitions, their experience, don't find a job. So I did some calls in my network. Uh, I realized a couple of matches uh, between employers and refugees. And, well, that was for me the start uh, to really dive into this community. So I started to visit the places where I could meet them. Uh, I went to the language schools, to the mosque, to the food bank, the thrift shops. I really reached out to them. And by the matches I made, the stories I shared uh, on LinkedIn, on local platforms, more and more refugees started to find me. So a start of quite a journey, <laughs> let's say. Absolutely. And how has all this sort of developed since those early days and those first matches you were making? We are now uh, about five, six years later. Uh, the last years, I matched hundreds of talents with refugee backgrounds to paid work. Every single story of a refugee I held into a job brings me joy and gratitude. But what's even better is more and more organizations are contacting me now and ask if there's also talent among the refugees for their job vacancies. If I can help them to find these talents. Also, two years ago, I was invited by smart recruiters to share my experience, my insights, my ideas about um, hiring refugees uh, on a big stage at Hiring Success Europe in Amsterdam. And this year, I was invited by Kim Lokenberg uh, to share the story and my ideas at uh, the uh, SoSuit Diversity event. So now it's still doing the work and matching the refugees, but also uh, meeting companies, meeting employers who are very interested. And I get more and more a stage to share the idea and share my enthusiasm about this group. So also, that's why I'm here now. I want to talk a bit about the employers that you work with. Going back to the the early days, what kind of reaction were you getting? What preconceived ideas did you kind of have to go up against? Doubt, skepticism. Uh, a lot of them were unaware of the possibility. So a lot of them watched them as refugees. So it was one of the first things I helped them to realize that a refugee a person who has been forced to leave the country in order to escape war or prostitution or a natural disaster, um, was in uh, the country of origin, maybe a doctor, a teacher, a developer, an engineer, a painter, uh, you name it. So I invited them to stop looking them as a victim, as a refugee, and start to watch them as a human being like you and me. And also with a human being with ambitions, with experiences, with skills, with a family, with dreams about making a career. And often it was still theory. So if they uh, followed my enthusiasm and said, hey, Eugène, good story, but still, I asked them, hey, please, let me invite a couple of uh, refugees. 
and let's have a cup of coffee together because seeing is believing. And I organized small, really small uh, meeting and greetings where we didn't talk about a job position, a job vacancy, but just meet, greet, exchange ideas, uh, stories, not about their flight, but about their professionalism, about what they have uh, done in their country, what they think they can bring to companies here in the Netherlands, in Europe. And the the reactions I got back when I called the employer later that day, said, wow, Eugène, what a great people. And wow, they speak really good English. And a lot of them even pretty good Dutch. Wow, I am impressed. And that that was the start of, well, uh, the success. Because those employers shared this experience in their networks. And so it was uh, starting. Some amazing stories there. What would your advice be to employers who are thinking about hiring refugees at the moment? What do they need to be thinking? How can they be effective? What would you recommend to them? Well, a couple uh, points I want to share. First, as I told you, uh, realize these are human beings, not refugees. So skip that label. Then it's crystal clear that some refugees have really difficulties integrating in the new society. And of course, it's made due to experiencing culture shock, but also there are language barriers. Uh, the Dutch language is a very hard language. And the most Dutch people pretend they speak good English. <laughs> I always say that I speak <laughs> Danglish. Uh, but on the Dutch labor market, we speak in general Dutch. So it's really a barrier. So as an employer, be aware of these differences. Take time to explain. And I think this is what we also do when we hire an expat. Also, ask yourself what you can learn from these guys with a different culture with different experience in a different uh, job market. Then uh, the refugees may have skills, experience, and education, but they don't have a professional network. So realize that even if you can't help them in hiring for a job, help them to help them to enter into your network. So then a no for the position is still valuable if you can help them by making their networks bigger. Another point, also important, uh, is the focus on certifications. We still love certifications. And what's the problem with this group? They have studied, they have diplomas from other institutions, from other universities, from uh, institutions we don't know. A lot of times we don't know how to value them. So uh, look to their skills instead of the certifications. 
consider if a traditional degree is really needed for the role you want to hire. Another thing <laughs> is also logical, I think. Um, they all have a gap, a gap in employment because they left the country, have to integrate, so two, three, four years, what they have done, nothing in building their career. So be considerate of the reasons behind this gap and do not disqualify this as when a candidate is before you. And finally, uh, in some countries, refugees are not authorized to work in all sectors. So first check what are the legal authorization in your country. And in general, don't be afraid to ask. Dare to be vulnerable. Show interest in the person, in the human being, in his, her drive. And enjoy the meeting. Enjoy the conversation. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. What's really interesting hearing you talking is there are really some broader lessons about recruitment here, aren't there, in terms of the way that people see job seekers and candidates as, as CVs and, and resumes rather than um, rather than human beings. I mean, what, what can we learn as an industry from the kind of work that you're doing? For me, uh, the biggest lesson is still uh, play the long game. And... I still see a lot of recruitment and HR professional opt for instant solutions, instant success. Um, this group in particular needs some time uh, because of the differences in language, in culture. Uh, but I think in recruitment in general, we often are in a too big hurry. And I believe more in a results that last and playing for the long game. Secondly, with all the technology and automa automation, um, let us not forget that we are in a people business. I believe, I really believe that at the end, enthusiasm makes the difference and the biggest impact. And I also <laughs> believe that all those recruiters, sources, HR people are in this business because of their passion for people and to want to make impact. Um, 
last, certainly not least, be, of, be aware of your position as a recruiter or a sourcer. You are in the position to make huge impacts to the life of people, to organizations, and you can walk the big talk because let us be honest. We talk yet more than a decade about diversity, about inclusion, and the DNI topic is for the most organizations a topic now, but still, I dare to say it's more theory than I see it in um, uh, I see it happen. So let's start the move from talking to acting. We, recruitment and HR professionals, are in the position to take the lead. In my opinion, this makes the role of recruiter or HR so really beautiful. You're involved with a project called Jobs for Humanity. Tell us about that. Yeah, wow. I love this question. And thank you for this. Because some numbers. Um, there are about 285 million people who are visually impaired. 36% from them is worldwide unemployed. There are 1 billion people in the world with a sort of neurodivergence. 85% of them is unemployed worldwide. 80 million people are forcibly displaced. And we don't know even the number of unemployment percentage worldwide. And then, did you know that Albert Einstein was a refugee? G.K. Rowling was a single mom. Isaac Newton, a neurodivergence. Jobs for Humanity, founded by Roy Baladi, is a global movement built by volunteers of job creation. Uh, Jobs for Humanity paves the way to a fairer future for all by connecting historically underrepresented talent to welcoming employers. We have and will launch job boards for refugees, for the blind, for the neurodivergence, for single moms, for black leaders, for returning citizens. And in addition to this, we offer training for employers and for recruiters. So you can imagine I am so enthusiastic about this global movement, what Roy initiated and what we now, a really big group of volunteers, are making bigger and bigger and bigger with more and more companies who help us offering jobs. And where can people find out more? I suggest go to our website, uh, www.jobsforhumanity.com. And there they can read the story. There they can read uh, the stories of their volunteers, why they volunteer. There they also can uh, subscribe to the newsletter and they can become a volunteer themselves. And they can see the jobs for the different, different groups, uh, more than 1,400 already worldwide. And well, help their network see these jobs and find these jobs. As a final question to you, what do you think the future of recruiting looks like? We're obviously in a time of uh, great disruption and uh, great change. 
as you said, there's probably much more talk about diversity in recruiting than there is uh, than there is action being taken. What do you think the future looks like? Well, recruitment is, as Jan texted, rights in full stack recruiter, not a more than invitation. <laughs> the first recruitment activities and techniques originated in ancient Egyptian and Roman times. Um, a decree signed by Julius Caesar in 55 before Christ, promising a reward to any soldier who brought another to join the Roman army, is seen as the first known example of an embryo referral program. So, yeah, I love to look into the future, but I think uh, most important is that there will all be always be a need for good recruiters. And even as automation takes over our most repetitive tasks, the work left to us humans will be more and more creative, less predictable, and more demanding. So talent will simply matter more and more. I believe that the technique and the tools will help us to find candidates more easy, but in finding them, you haven't hired them. So in seducing candidates to choose for your company, recruiters will keep on making the difference. I believe more and more. Um, I think the field of recruitment will be even more interesting in the future than it is now, because it's, it will be more the people difference where you as a human recruiter can make the difference to the company, but also so to those job seekers. Eugène, thank you very much for talking to me. Matt, it was a great pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Eugène. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.